I am a sucker for a good magic show. I love the uh, close-up magic that seems to be all the rage these days. I believe, didn't a magician win the America's Got Talent this year? I think they're always on there, but uh, I, I think they actually won this year. Uh, but, but as you see there, it's all just tricks. Uh, it, it looks can be deceiving. Things aren't always as they seem. And that's true in close-up magic, but it's also true many times in, in life. Uh, there, there's that much-quoted uh, verse in 1 Samuel uh, 16 that says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, many times we may see limitations and things that would, uh, would hold us back. Uh, but God would have us to look to him and to his strength instead. Many times looks can be deceiving. It appears that one thing's happening on the surface, but really God is, uh, is working in ways that we maybe can't see. So, uh, so that verse is actually part of the story of the next hero in our, in our series where we're looking at ordinary people from the Bible uh, through whom God did extraordinary things. Uh, and we've learned a lot about how God uh, works and, and how we can actually be uh, quote-unquote heroes uh, as we let God work through us. And so today we're going to look at the biggest uh, underdog story of all time. Um, it, it, it's so big that, uh, that, that common people not even remotely associated with, uh, with Christianity or the church or Judaism or anything, they, they still would, can refer to this story. People still know something about this story. It's, it's a metaphor, uh, that, that, that's described, that describes an unlikely win or the ultimate underdog, uh, come from behind victory. It's used in sports all the time. Uh, and it's, it's the story of David and Goliath. And, uh, and, and we, we, they, people, maybe they don't know all the ins and outs of it, but they know that this, this, uh, boy, David, defeated this uh, great warrior giant, Goliath. Uh, David came to be known as the greatest king in all of Israel. He was a man of many talents. Uh, if you, if you, uh, know anything about David, you'll know that he was a warrior and he was a shepherd and he was a strong leader. Uh, he was even a songwriter. Uh, he even knew how to play the harp. I mean, so a lot of different uh, stuff going on there. Um, God described him literally as a man after his own heart. So, uh, so David's story is epic and it plays out uh, literally oh, chapter after chapter after chapter. The, uh, he, he appears there in, in, uh, in, second, in 1 Samuel 16 and through the rest of the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament and then all of the book of 2 Samuel in the, uh, in the Old Testament and then he doesn't uh, actually die until uh, the second chapter of 1 Kings. So uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel and even into 1 Kings, uh, David's story just plays out uh, from the time he He's uh, an early teenager until uh, until he dies. Uh, but as with uh, the, the, with with most of these uh, stories that we've looked at, all of these stories we've looked at, David didn't start out as this conquering warrior and king, right? Uh, in fact, many people did not see much potential in David for anything extraordinary. Uh, but looks can be deceiving. Things aren't always as they seem. Uh, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God's potential in us is bigger and better than any traits we might have on our own. 
Many times there are people in our lives who might try to limit our potential. Uh, they, they don't see what we're capable of or what God is capable of through us. And, and if we listen to those voices, we can get derailed uh, from God's best for us. So David, the, the, this, this great man of God, had, had many people, especially early in his life, uh, David had many people who didn't think he would amount to much. Uh, for instance, Jesse, David's dad, didn't think that David had much king potential at all. So uh, the, the story is in, is in 1 Samuel 16, uh, and I want to read just a little bit of it uh, uh, for us today. Um, the, the, the prophet Samuel is, is, uh, is looking to anoint a new king, and we pick up in the first verse, uh, the, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before the Lord, pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. And brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So when Samuel invited uh, Jesse and his sons, uh, he didn't even bring David with him. Uh, he didn't think there was a, a chance that David would even need to be there. And yet David was exactly the one that God had chosen. And, and maybe, hopefully not, but maybe you can relate to uh, the, someone in your life being led to believe that you don't measure up. Uh, maybe a parent. This is, this is Jesse, David's father. Uh, it, it sure appears like he didn't think David was, would amount to much or, or was worth much at this point. Uh, just go, just watch the sheep. Uh, yeah, I, this, this prophet's coming. It's pretty cool. Uh, he's going to be, but you know, your brothers are all, uh, you know, tall and, and dark and handsome. And, uh, well, I guess you have ruddy features. I think it says in King James, right? But, uh, but, but, uh, David, we need somebody to watch the sheep and you're the perfect guy for, you're so good at it. Just go, just get, at, we don't, we don't, need, don't waste your time coming in here. Samuel doesn't need to see you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt, uh, like, uh, the fact that someone made you feel like you didn't measure up or, or maybe even, maybe even struggled with that with with uh, with a parent that did that but uh, God's message to you today just might be that you can overcome the limitations that others might put on you so listen to God don't listen to those who might hold you back and, and also I think it's good to note uh, at this point in the story maybe you're a parent who needs to hear today that no matter what your children do or what you think their potential might be they are precious in the eyes of God no matter what bonehead stuff they might try, God sees huge potential in them. So don't stifle that potential. Help them to discover it. 
Of course, they, they, they will no doubt exasperate you and irritate you and maybe even let you down, but let's do our best not to limit their God-given potential, but to see them the way God does. So Jesse didn't think that David had king potential. Uh, David's brothers didn't give him much, uh, much uh, uh, potential either. They didn't think he had warrior potential. Uh, so uh, later on, so David has been anointed uh, and, and uh, at the whole uh, sacrifice there, Samuel anoints him as, as the next king, uh, but the, the current king is still reigning. Saul is still, still on the throne, and so David, uh, David they, they just go about their lives. And so uh, some of the other David's uh, brothers are serving in the army. Uh, Saul is their leader, and uh, so in 1 Samuel 17, the story continues beginning in verse 17, 17 and 18, and then 26 to 28. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. David asked the men standing near him, so he goes and he's there, and uh, then the whole Goliath thing, Goliath is, is out there, and he's challenging the, uh, the armies of God. We jump down there in, uh, in verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what, had, what they'd been saying. And told him, this is what will be done to the man who kills him. Then, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So Eliab and uh, by, by association, some of the other brothers, they didn't see much potential in David. Come on, David. The only thing you're good at is shepherding and you're not even there doing that. What's the deal? Uh, David comes here as an errand boy. And he's carrying snacks for his brothers and for their commander. But, but when he sees what's going on, he starts asking questions. Well, who is this, this uh, non-God-fearing uh, Philistine that he's defying the armies? Of, we got to do something about this. And David's oldest brother puts him in his place and says, you don't belong here. People in David's family didn't believe in him at all. At this point, Samuel, the prophet of God, has already anointed him as the next king. Okay, and, and they were all there. They, they, they saw that. Uh, David has been anointed as the next king, and yet his family didn't seem to get it. They, they didn't understand what was going on. They did not see his potential. And these, these first two points here show that, that sometimes uh, those who are closest to us and those who know us the best still never see our full potential. And many times we listen to them instead of listening to the voice of God, uh, the God who has created us and the God who is calling us to something Bigger. Now, now I'm, I'm the first person to, uh, to promote relationships and getting advice from others and, and seeking guidance from, from people that are close to us. So we need to do that. There's some discernment involved here because sometimes, uh, God might speak through someone who is closer and say, Hey, let's, uh, let's check that. We, we, but, but it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we need to seek a, a, a union between God's voice in our lives and the, uh, the people, uh, uh, who are close to us and, and seek out God's direction. And, and if, if things are in conflict, we follow God. Don't, don't, treat, uh, don't treat other people's advice simply as God's voice without seeking him too because his voice will overcome the other limitations that God might try, that other, the limitations that others might try to put on us. Before we go any further, I think it's, it's important to also note here uh, in David's story 
and again, the, the, his whole life we could spend uh, the next till from now till Christmas uh, talking about David and not get all of it. So we're just looking at this uh, this little story there of David and Goliath. But 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 this is important. Go ahead to the to the next one there. Even kings have to carry cheese. I mean that'll preach, right? I mean that's even kings have to carry cheese. Uh, they're not cutting. Che- no, they, even kings have to carry. Cheese. Don't ever think you are far too uh, too far along to uh, to do menial tasks for God. David has been anointed as the next king. He's already started gigging in the palace, right? He's playing the harp for for Saul. That's already started to happen. Uh, Saul has 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 pulled him in. He's he's playing the harp when Saul's having a bad day. Uh, I mean, David's on his way, and, and yet his his father says, "Hey, uh, take some cheese down there to the boys." And he says, okay, I'll, I'll do it. Following that metaphor, I guess, I think we need to ask ourselves, what cheese am I reluctant to carry? Are there tasks that you feel are beneath you? God always calls us to serve and to be faithful, even in menial tasks. You might say, well, my gifts are in this. But if, sometimes if something needs to be done, we're always willing to be faithful and to step in and to do that. Uh, maybe we can uh, do the rallying cry, the cheese carriers change the world. Uh, but uh, we, we need to recognize that there are things uh, that, that we must always be willing. When God says, hey, I need somebody, we say, I'm willing and I'm ready. John Maxwell, in, in a couple of different books, uh, has, has a list that goes something like this. He says, what would the world be like if Noah had said, I don't do boats? Or if Moses had said, I don't do seas? Or if Michelangelo had said, I don't do ceilings? Or if Mary had said, I don't do virgin births? Or John the Baptist had said, I don't do water Or if Paul had said, I don't do letters, or if Jesus had said, I don't do feet or crosses, and or David had said, I don't do cheese. (laughs) He never would have been there at the battle to encounter uh, encounter Goliath. Uh, We need to be ready to to do whatever God has called us to do. So uh, David's uh, brothers and his father uh, did not necessarily see his potential, even did some things to try to limit his potential. King Saul... Uh, was also involved here. And King Saul didn't think that David had champion potential. So, so, so David uh, shows up and he, he sees this whole scene. He brings the cheese and, and, and the, the crackers and everything else. And, and he talks and he sees Goliath and he says, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? And then we see in verse 32 of 1 Samuel 17, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. In other words, I, I'm, I'm there, I'll do it. And Saul said, Psh. Well, it doesn't say that he said that, but probably. You are not able to go out against this, against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. You don't got what it takes here, David. Saul didn't think that David had a chance because he was just, a boy, well, probably a, a teenager, middle, middle teenager maybe by, at this point. So in the next few verses there, uh, David gives an impassioned speech about how God has been with him as a shepherd and and, uh, he fought off wild animals and and because he had that experience, he didn't see how this was much different. And so uh, Saul saw that David's mind was made up and so he finally relented, probably pretty condescendingly. Okay, fine, go ahead, It's, it's, uh, it's, it's your funeral, but whatever. And uh, so then Saul says, well, at least, I mean, you need some armor, and so uh, he offers him his armor. Now, if, if you know anything about Saul, 
Uh, or if you don't, I'll tell you, Saul was, uh, was, was a big, tall, strapping uh, leader of, uh, of the, the, the nation of Israel. Uh, some say that he was probably pushing seven feet tall. So, uh, so Saul, Saul's armor, not a great fit for the teenager David. And uh, we could read it, but I'll just tell you about it. It, it was too big. David couldn't even walk around. He, he wasn't used to it. In essence, then, David is taking Saul's armor, armor off and, and he's saying, uh, in, in essence, I can't fit into your picture of how I should do what God wants me to do. It's not lost on me here that Saul should have been the one wearing his own armor and going out against Goliath. He's almost a giant of his own. I mean, he's, he's big and tall and, and, and he's the leader of the army. And if they're calling for one person to be the warrior and get out there and do it, it should have been Saul. But he didn't do that. He was cowering back. Instead, uh, Saul's view of how David should go about uh, doing this was actually limiting David's ability to do what God was calling him to do. And you've probably had people in your life like that before. They seem to have all the answers and, and they're not shy in, in sharing their wisdom. Um, Rebecca and I, we hadn't been married too long and um, we went out bowling one night. Now, I'm not, um, I'm not a, like a, a, a great bowler, but I've always figured if I can break 100, that's a good night, Right? See, some of you laughed, but I got, yeah, I needed an amen there. Not, if, if, I'm, if I'm over 120, which I am on a regular basis on the one or two times every three years that I go bowling, uh, then, then, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a monumental time. And there have been a couple of times when I have bowled and I have been over 160. Okay, that's like more than half, right? I mean, in, in baseball, I would be at the top because, you know, batting 300 is great. So batting five, six, I mean, that, so, so I, you know, good stuff. Uh, bowling, good stuff. So uh, anyway, we went out bowling one night and um, uh, having a good time, whatever. And I, I realized as we're bowling that, um, that my wife, my lovely wife, was, was having a little trouble. Let's just say that she was hitting more gutters than pins. We'll just, we'll just put it that way. Just, and so I figured, I mean, literally considering going pro because I'd hit 160 a couple of times, I figured that I had a lot of wisdom that I could impart in order to help her know uh, better how to, how to hold that uh, ball and, and release at just the right time and, and where to line up and how many steps to take to get up to the, the deal and uh, uh, you know, all those sorts of... I mean, even, even, you know, there's a technique going up to that little blowy fan thing where the balls come up and getting your fingers all... I don't know what in the world that does, but it's just kind of fun, right? To get the little whoo, and then you, and you got... It. And so, I mean, it's got to have something, I mean... I'm almost a pro, so I, I know. So I was dropping some golden bowling skill nuggets. Is all I'm trying to say. And I learned a couple things that night. I learned that not everyone is open to the knowledge that I'm willing to share. <laughs> I also learned that there are different ways to bowl and still have a good time. And and I also learned that some people don't even care about the score. I mean, who knew about that? But there are, 
There are some times in life, and, and I'm guilty of it, I'm sure you are, but you sure, certainly also had people in your life who have, who have tried to impart their knowledge and give their expertise on how you should do what, and bringing it into, away from bowling and into God's plans for your life, how you should accomplish what God might be calling you to do. You see, God has wired us each a certain way. There is no one exact, else exactly like us. And, and there, there's no one uh, exactly with your personality and, and your desires and your likes and dislikes, your gifts and talents, your experiences. You are unique and God wants to use you uh, just the way you are to grow you, to, to, to draw you close to him. So, so I, I, guess, I guess maybe what I'm saying is don't try to bowl with somebody else's form <laughs> or somebody else's ball. I don't know. Uh, don't try to fit into somebody else's armor. Be confident in who you are in Christ and go and fight the giant. Saul was limit, didn't see the potential of David being a warrior for God, but that's exactly what God was calling him to do. Now, there's, there's one more uh, person here that was also limiting David's potential, and that's Goliath. Goliath didn't even think that David had opponent potential. He didn't even think he was worth fighting. 1 Samuel 17, verses 43 and 44, Goliath says to David, man, I just, I wasn't gonna, have you ever seen, have you seen the Veggie Tales, David and Goliath thing? I thought about just putting the whole thing on here, except it's really weird because you got the big, Dave and the giant pickle is what it's called. And the whole, you know, it's the whole weird Veggie Tale thing where they don't have arms, but they still kind of act like they have arms. And at one point, Goliath comes out and he's got boxing gloves, but they're just kind of floating in the air around the pickle. And it's just kind of whatever. But he comes out and he's got this deep voice and he's got hairs coming out of, you know, and, and the, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? He says, which is, an exactly, which is exactly a quote from scripture where, uh, where, where Goliath says to David, am I a dog that you come at, you're just a little stick, you're just, you're nothing. Why, you, can't, you can't do anything out here. He says, come here and I'll, I'll give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. Goliath didn't even think David was worth messing with, not even worthy of a, of a proper burial. I'll just let the, let the animals take care of you. Uh, it's, it's a limitation of skill. Uh, Goliath just thought that David didn't have what it took to accomplish the task. He, he appeared to lack the skills needed to do the job. And yet David had, had a lot more than, than uh, a lot more skills than it appeared. He, he had experience in, in battling wild animals. He had experience with God's presence, with God's leadership, with God's strength. And so, although unconventional, David brought his past experience into the present crisis. 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Most of the time, God will call you to do something that you can't do on your own. Uh, you, you might not have the skills needed, but, but you can bring who you are and, and what you have and what you've experienced and then rely on God to provide. You know the story. We'll, we'll read, uh, read it here, 1 Samuel 17, 45 and following. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. I come against you, he doesn't say, with a sling, Right? No, he says, I come against you. So he's naming the, the uh, Goliath's weapons. You're coming against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. What's my weapon? I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver me into your hands. So we jump down a little bit as the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line. 
to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And that's the story that we use to describe football games these days, right? Or, or March Madness basketball games. But it all comes from this epic, glorious, God, uh, divine presence, this, this story of, of God overcoming even in the midst of what seems like weakness. Now, I, I want to be completely honest. It's just a theory. I don't have any definite scriptural evidence to back it up. But, but, but I, just want, I just think that David probably wasn't that good of a shot. I, he was a good, he, he had killed a lion and a bear, he, but, but uh, he used it, but I mean, Goliath is coming at him, he, he's got his, all his armor everywhere, he's got a hell, I mean, there's only a few places that this rock could have gone, right? Uh, David had smooth stones, we didn't read that part, but, but he had picked smooth stones. Now, come on, David, you're trying to do some, do some damage, let's get some sharp stones, right? Come on, what's the deal? So, but, but he's got, he's got smooth stones, and, and so the answer to David's success against Goliath in overcoming uh, the those who had placed limitations on him, uh, overcoming the, the, the people who didn't see his potential. Uh, the answer is found in that line. He didn't say, I'm coming at you with a sling and a stone. He says, it, it, this day the Lord will deliver me into your hands. And so, so maybe, just maybe, as David runs toward Goliath, and there's a whole sermon in there about running toward your giants instead of running away from them, right? But uh, David runs toward Goliath in faith. He's trusting and believing in God. Uh, he, he was just young enough to think that maybe this could happen. And, and so he, he lets the stone fly. And I just think maybe, okay, just dream with me for a second. Maybe there's this uh, unseen angel that grabs that stone, <laughs> And flies, I've watched too many movies probably, uh, but um, flies straight toward Goliath, jams that thing right in his head, right? Just bam. It says it sunk into his forehead. The smooth stone sinks into his forehead. Now, again, veggie tails don't, don't quite get it right because he goes, bink, boo, and it kind of flops off, but he falls down anyway. But, uh, so maybe it was the angel thing. Maybe it was, it was just that, that God uh, anointed that at just the right time, just the right way, and hit him in just the right way. Obviously, it wasn't about the sling and the stone. It was about David's obedience to what God was calling him to do, and God was the one who delivered him from the giant that day. God overcame the giant, and he used a young man with a lot of limitations to do it. David had to overcome more than just Goliath. Most of the people in his life were selling him short. They were limiting his potential. God didn't just see David's outward appearance. He saw his heart. David listened to God instead of the naysayers. And, and ultimately, he let God do his fighting for him. And the giant fell face down on the ground. Limitations don't have to limit us unless we let them. On the surface, David's potential was limited. But he had God potential, and that's the, the, the greatest potential of all, and it's limitless. Uh, there, there's a book uh, called Believe and Belong, written several years ago by a, a man named Bruce Larson, and, and it talks about how he helped people who were struggling to defeat giants in their lives, um, and, and so he writes this in, in part of that book. He says, for many years, I worked in New York City 
and counseled at my office any number of people. I would often suggest that they walk with me from my office down to the RCA building on Fifth Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas. Go ahead and put that up there. You've probably seen it before. There it is. There he is. There's Atlas. Man, that might be PG-13. I don't know if we're allowed to see that, church. So RCA building on Fifth Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas, a perfectly proportioned man who, with all his muscle straining, is holding the world upon his shoulders. There he is, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand up under his burden. And Bruce Larson said, now, now that's what, one way you can live, I would point out, trying to carry the world on your shoulders. But now come across the street with me. And on the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the altar is this statue of Jesus as a boy, perhaps eight or nine years old. And with no effort, he is holding the world in one hand. Bruce Larson would ask, and I would ask you, which way are you going to live? The weight of the world on your shoulders or trusting in the one who has the whole world in his hands. Heroes know that, that overcoming limitations always rests in who you, are, uh, who you are looking for, for your strength. The truth is you can't do it on your own. You do have limitations, but, but, but God is always in the business of doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. That's, that's the bottom line. That's the river running through, the, the, the string running through all of these messages. God is always in the business of doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. David and Goliath, it's the ultimate underdog story. Uh, David was a, was a hero because he listened to God's voice, not to the voices of those who wanted to limit his potential. So, so I guess as we contemplate that story, this common story, the story that we, we hear about today in a multitude of, of venues, we, we hear about this underdog story and, and uh, David fighting Goliath and overcoming. We have to consider what are the giant's that we need to be running toward in order to see God do amazing things. Will you stand with me and let's bow our heads. Father God, it's a, it's a, it's a familiar story, a story of this teenager who had no fear because you were calling him to do extraordinary things. Lord, he did have limitations. He had, he had uh, uh, things that, that, that could have and maybe should have held him back, but he was trusting in you, not in, not in the outward appearance of things. And Lord, I just wonder today if there are folks here who may be seeing their limitations and letting that cloud their vision of you. Lord, I don't know what, what each one of us are, are facing and the, the, uh, the issues that, that you might be calling us to, uh, to address, but I pray that you'll help us to hear you clearly. And when we are convinced that we've heard you clearly, that we wouldn't shy away or back down or listen to anyone who may be, uh, may be trying to limit us. But Lord, I pray that we can, we can hear from you and respond in obedience so that you can do amazing and extraordinary things even through our ordinary lives. 
Lord, I pray that you open our eyes this week to ways that we can have an eternal uh, impact in the lives of the people around us, that we can make a spiritual difference in, uh, in someone's life or, or in many people's lives. Lord, I pray that you will lead us into those conversations and into those opportunities and that you would speak and uh, encourage and, and that you would change hearts and minds, maybe even through something that we say or do. We are ready and willing to go forward with you wherever you want to take us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.